بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أنا الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه تسليم كثير يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا صَدِيدًا يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَمَنْ يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا أَمَّا بَعْضُ فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. As the title of the discussion at hand suggests, we're going to deal with the تأثير or the impact of the Qur'an on Allah's creation. And when we try to tackle this issue, then obviously time does not allow us to deal with the impact of the Qur'an on the entire creation. Because Allah himself in the Qur'an, or the Prophet as well, the Prophet as well, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they didn't mention the whole impact of the Qur'an and the entire creation. Because Allah's creation is a lot out there. But I will, inshallah, address some of the important, more important issues that have been dealt with in the Quran and the authentic Sunnah. And in the ayat that the brother who introduced me, Jazahullah Khaira, the one that he narrated, if we had revealed this Qur'an on top of a mountain, and the mountains have been mentioned in many places in the Qur'an, you would have seen that mountain rent asunder, would have fell down out of the fear of Allah, because of Allah's fear. The rest of the ayah said, وَتِلْكَ الْأَمْثَالُ نَضْرِبُهَا لِلنَّاسِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ This is one of the similes or similitudes or examples when Allah mentioned if we revealed this Qur'an on a mountain, like some of the large mountains that we know about, the Himalayas, Mount Fuji, you know, in, in, in Kenya there, Kalimanjaro, those are some massive mountains. Mount Uhud, the person who has gone to Mount Uhud, Mount Uhud is probably bigger than Parsippany itself. But compared to those other mountains, it's minuscule. The point is, had Allah revealed the Qur'an on those mountains, the mountain with its large size would have been affected 
by the weightiness of the Quran. And at the end of the ayat, these are the examples, the amthal. This information is being given to mankind in the hopes that they would yatafakkaroon, in the hopes that the human being would contemplate if that is the effect and the impact of the Quran on a mountain, then what about the impact of the Quran on the heart of an individual who has been created for the sole purpose of worshiping Allah Azawajal. And in contrast, the individual who has been, who has been created to worship Allah Azawajal, but the Quran has no impact on him whatsoever. Like we found recently and continue to hear about the American soldiers, the Marines, when they were in Afghanistan, they made it their business to make the sacrilegious act of desecrating the Qur'ans that they used to find in the masjid. They used to kick the Qur'ans around. They used to use the pages of the Qur'an in order to clean themselves after answering the call of nature, Akramakumullah. They have been created to worship Allah Azawajal, to be affected and impacted by his kalam, and yet they go to the other extreme of disobedience. And that's why, Ikhwani, there is a phrase in Al-Islam that we should come to know. And that phrase is something that is known in the religion by necessity. Ma'loom min al-deen There are certain things that everybody knows those things. So no one is exempt from making mistakes in those particular things. For an example, every single Muslim knows the Bedouin, the revert, the Arab, the non-Arab, the rich, the poor, the one who lives in a penthouse, every Muslim knows that if a person were to take the Mus'haf or the Quran and he was to sling it across the floor, if he were to kick it across the floor, if he were to take the Quran and take it into the toilet, for an example, and he was to do something with that Quran in that filthy place of Najasa, he goes outside of the religion of Al-Islam. And we're very careful, and we tell you to be very careful of excommunicating Muslims. Don't put Muslims outside of this religion. It is a serious issue. And it's not left up to regular peoples. We're left up to people with knowledge and people who have the ability to make those appropriate and necessary judgments. It is a big thing to say someone's outside of the religion. But there are some things if a person does it, he's outside of this religion. Unless he was compelled, of course. So the point here is the Quran, it has an effect and it has an impact because it has a weightiness connected to it. Allah mentioned in the Quran, Sanulqi alayka qawlin thaqila. Ya Muhammad, we're going to give you a word, give you a book, give you a statement that is heavy, extremely heavy, physically heavy, the Quran itself. And before explaining that, inshallah, we should know, if you or I disconnected ourselves from the Quran and reading it consistently throughout the year, when the month of Ramadan comes, you're not going to complete the Quran in the month of Ramadan. Because the way the nature of the Quran is, and if you allow me to say the nature, the nature of the Quran, the way that the Quran is, it is a book, if you divorce yourself from that book, and you try to come to it in the month of Ramadan, and you're not used to engaging it and reading it consistently, you're not going to complete it in the month of Ramadan. 
And this has been the experience that many of us have had. In the beginning of Ramadan, when your iman goes up and you're pumped up and you're fired up, those first few days, you may get the first juice in, the second juice in, the third juice, but before you know it, it's the eighth, ninth, tenth day of Ramadan and you're on three and a half juice. And then shaitan comes into picture and he starts to say, I'm going to do it. You procrastinate. I'm tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get two juice and then after dhur, I do one before and then after as, I do two and I'll be back on point. Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet wasallam that he's going to reveal to him a book that is heavy. You're not going to pick that Quran up and get through it easily if you don't know it. You have to get used to reading the Quran. And that's a secret that many people don't know. Concerning the heaviness of the Quran in addition to the ayat about the mountain renting asunder and that statement of Allah Azawajal, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will be on top of his camel and revelation of the Quran will come to him. When the revelation came to him, the camel would fall flat on the ground and it couldn't move. And the companions knew what was happening because of the way the camel fell down. He didn't kneel the way the camel normally kneels. He just fell down on the ground. And no one would disturb him or the camel because they knew revelation was coming to the Prophet Our mother Aisha, radiallahu anha, who was a tremendous personality and knowledge as well, physical strength, to be left in the middle of the desert and not to lose her wits about herself. Indication shows the level, the quality of this particular woman, our mother, radiallahu anha. She said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would be in her home with her lying on her lap as he was an affectionate man. And the revelation of the Quran will come down upon him while his head was on her thigh. One of the strongest bones in the body, if not the single most strongest bone in the body. She said when the revelation came down, she felt that her bone in her thigh was about to break, but she was patient and she handled it because she didn't want to disturb him and the revelation. And again, in that are some virtues of Aisha, the fact that there was no other wife of his, وسلم, that the Quran came down in her home when he was under her blanket, with the exception of Aisha. She was the only one, and she used to tell people that. That's from the ni'mah of Allah, that the Quran used to be revealed. When it was revealed with him and his wives, it was only in the privacy of Aisha's home. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam radiallahu anha. So the fact that she was patient is a really important sign and indication that she took with the statement of Allah. She took the command. Fasbir kama sabara ulil azmi min rasul Be patient the way the major messengers were patient. They're called the ulul azm. That's a vocabulary word, an Islamic vocabulary word, a phrase that should be inside of your religion. Ulul Azam, they're the major messengers, and they're five. Their story has been explained and mentioned in the Quran in detail, more detail than anyone else. Starting with Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and Muhammad, salawatullahi wassalamu alayhim ajma'in. So Allah commanded us, commanded Aisha, 
فاصبر كما صبر اولي العزم من الرسل and if you were to look at the story and compare the stories there are many parallels now is not the time to talk about it each one of them may hijra or they're going to make hijra in the case of Isa ibn Maryam sallallahu alayhi when he makes hijra from Ya'juj and Ma'juj because he doesn't have the ability to fight them as the other prophets before him and after them were faced with opponents and foe that they weren't able to fight. So it's okay to flee. It's going to save your life. You come back to fight another day or you can protect the religion for another day. So they have many parallels. Aisha, she had that patience. And why did Allah command her and us to be patient like the Ulul Azam and the fact that she was patient with that Quran was the application of that ayah one of the things we have to understand and we have to believe you have to believe this when we read that hadith of jibril coming and saying ya muhammad akhbirni an al-iman what is al-iman and he told him the six arkan of al-iman that you have to believe in allah and the malaika you have to believe in allah and his books and the malaika and the messengers the prophets you have to believe in yawm al-akhir and the qadr each one of those, they have their details. It's not just, I believe in Allah and that's it. There are details with that. There's knowledge concerned with that. Who is Allah? What does he do? What does he not do? What are his names? What are his attributes? Many things connected to that. Belief in his books. Which books have we been told about? Knowing that they all were revealed in the month of Ramadan. Knowing that they were the speech of Allah. Knowing that some of those books were greater than other books knowing that his Qur'an has some ayat that are greater than other ayat, some surahs greater than other surahs, there are details. The point here is, when we say belief in the messengers and the prophets, has its details. Five of them are better than everybody else. And Ibrahim and Muhammad is better than the rest. And Muhammad is better than everybody. Salawatullahi wassalamu alayhim ajma'in. From al-iman in the prophets, and this is the point, is that we have to believe and we have to understand that the, prophet, the prophets are strong. They have been blessed with physical prowess. The prophets were not weak in their physique. And that's because if you're going to carry the message of Al-Islam, which is the responsibility of everyone to some degree, you can't be a weakling. You can't be a weakling. He said in an authentic hadith, Al-Mu'min Al-Qawi, the believer who is physically strong is better and more beloved to Allah than the believer who is weak. And in both of them is good, the strong one and the weak one. But the strong one is going to work and he'll have money to spend sadaqah. He's going to work. He'll be able to build a masjid. He'll be able to fight jihad fi sabirilat. The real jihad, not the jihad of fasad, ISIS, Boko Haram, Qaeda, and all of that nonsense that we warn the people of, that we separate ourselves from. The strong believer, he's walking down the street with his mother here, his queen here, and his princess holding the hand of his wife, his queen. And he has to step up in order to protect the three of them. The strong one, he can do that. The weak one, he'll be the first one to get in the wind. And he's running down the street and he leaves his family there. 
So the point is, the prophets and the messengers, you have to believe, they were strong. I don't want to go deep into that, but I just want to give you an example because it's supported from the Quran and the Sunnah. Many places. Allah mentioned in the Quran concerning Bani Israel and the issue with Saul. وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ تَالُوتَ مَلِكَ قَالُوا أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا وَنَحْنُ حَقُّ بِالْمُلْكِ مِنْهُ وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ سَعَةٍ مِّنَ الْمَالِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَزَادَهُ بَسْتَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجَسَرِ وَاللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مُلْكُهُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِيٌ عَلِيمٌ داو said to Bani Israel verily Allah has chosen for you Saul Talut to be your king your leader and the Nabi is going to be the king over you Bani Israel had a problem with that they said how how in the world is he going to be the king over us when he doesn't have money the way we have money he doesn't have any money he doesn't have followers he's not like us socially in the standing they were told verily Allah has chosen him above you Allah chose him and here's the point and Allah has given him more knowledge than you and he has increased him in bodily power he can deal with any one of you when it comes to fighting when it comes to being patient when it comes to tolerance he has the ability to deal with everything more than you so that ayat of the Quran is a clear proof clear indication that the prophets in al-Islam they have to be and they were stronger than everybody else and if the person is on the sunnah of any prophet doing their time and our time it's from the sunnah to take care of your health it's from the sunnah to work out it's from the sunnah to be prepared the Nabi وسلم, informed us of Sulaiman and the fact that Sulaiman went to 100 women the Muslim he accepts that he believes that in one night that's a proof of his power concerning Saul's mulk or his kingdom Suleiman made the dua qara rabbi khfirli wa habli mulkan la yambaghili ahadan min ba'di oh my lord forgive me for whatever I've done and give me a kingdom that no one would have a kingdom similar to it after me so the point is all of the prophets and all of the messengers were strong people in order to deal with their message. And if a person wants to get involved and become an individual who wants to give dawah, you can't be weak. You can't be weak to stand up for the truth when the people of your community are on whatever level they're on or whatever position they're on. Now, obviously, being strong doesn't mean that hikmah is not inside of the equation. That Rahman being easy and gentle is not inside of the equation. So Musa, all of them, they were strong individuals. So the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam had to physically deal with that Quran. And before moving to the next point, inshallah, I want to remind you, brothers and you sisters, of this point. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he went through a lot for us to become Muslims. It's like your parents. Those of you who were born and raised as Muslims. You owe, a gret of, you, you owe a, a debt of gratitude to your parents. Because if they were not Muslims and they didn't give you Islam, who's to say that you would have embraced the religion if it was left up to you to make the decision? And that's why 
the young person who's having problems with his parents about these issues connected to our lives, getting married, who your friends are, them, them, them putting pressure on you, even if the parent is difficult, because some of us have very difficult parents, and only Allah can make things easy. So we ask him to make easy for us and you the things that are difficult. You have to be patient with your parent because they gifted to you the greatest gift, the gift of Al-Islam, gift of Al-Islam. It is a tremendous ni'mah. And just as your parents, you're indebted to your parents, all of us are indebted to the Prophet because he went through a lot. He went through a lot in order for this message to reach us. And from what he went through is physically, the physical demand of being a Rasul, a Nabi for 23 years was not easy. You add on to that, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, had his head busted open, they cracked his head open. He had his teeth knocked out. He went to give dawah to the people. They pelted him, not with pebbles, but with rocks, proper rocks. Not with snowballs, with real rocks. To the point that blood came gushing out of his face, gushing out of his body. He lost his children, his sons, his daughters. While he was living, he lost all of those children and that didn't deter him from this message. The Nabi was physically kicked out of his home. He couldn't exist in Mecca because of the hostility. He left his house, left the place where he was born. He told Mecca, if it wasn't for your people, I wouldn't have ever left you. He lost people who were dear to him, his companions. He loved them, they loved him. He went through a lot. So at least we could and should say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when we hear his name. At least when people are in a position to explain what his sunnah is, what he did, what he didn't do, we, we, we bring that to the forefront. And if you don't do it or you can't do it, don't be one of those people who say, ah, it's just a sunnah. Don't be like those people. And then at the same time claim, I'm a Muslim, I love Allah, I'm going to celebrate his birthday, and that's going to be the sum total of my expression of my love. Loving the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is obeying him. Loving the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is defending him. Loving the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is being an ambassador, each and every individual within his own self, within her own self. We have to do our best to be ambassadors. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. Part of his sunnah is when you make a mistake, you make tawbah to Allah Azawajal. So concerning the Quran and its impact on the creation, let us move to the past. There is a story and an ayat in the Quran that is one of the difficult ayats of the Quran. It's one of those ayats that there's a lot of ikhtilaf going on in that ayat concerning Suleiman and Harut and Marut. This ayat is one of those ayats where there's a lot of ikhtilaf between the scholars. What is it saying? What happened? There's some taqdeem, there's some taqir of what's being said. The teaching of magic by Harut and Marut were from the Malaika because from what we believe is Al-Iman and the Malaika and that they've been created from light and that they do not disobey Allah. 
So since they were created from light, Iblis cannot be from the Malaika because he was created from a smokeless fire from the Jan. So concerning this particular ayat, some of the people, they said that Suleiman, he was teaching the people magic, that he knew magic and this is how he had the dominion that he had, the mulk that he had. There are many, many narrations, many of which are not authentic, but for the most part, the Yehud during that time, instead of believing in the Tawheed of Allah Azawajal and the power and the ability of Allah Azawajal, they said that Suleiman was being taught by the jinn and magic, and this is how he was given all of that stuff. And then when he died, the people came and they found some books, and they said, you see, this is the magic that Suleiman was teaching the people. The point here is, during that time, it was allowed by Allah for the jinn to go to the heavens and they could steal a listening from the heavens. Allah allowed them to go to the heavens and they can hear the discussion of the mala'ika. One narration said they would get on top of each other in the earth, get on top of each other, go all the way into the heavens and the one at the top can hear what was going on. Told the ones below what had happened that the Mala'ika said, there's going to be an earthquake over here, this guy is going to die over there. And then they will come to the earth and connect with the soothsayers, the magicians, the clairvoyant people who claim they know the unseen, but they sold their souls to Iblis and they dabble in black magic, the other world that the person with intellect has to avoid. So that jinn will tell that shaitan from mankind, from the clairvoyance and those other individuals, what they heard in the heavens, some of which was true, but they would add on to that information 70 lies. The one who was the clairvoyant or the soothsayer, he had and he continues to have and occupy an important position in society. He would go, people would come to him, he would tell them such and such is going to happen and it would come out as he said. But then he would tell them other things would happen, but the people would disregard that he made mistakes about the 69, 70 other things, and they would just remember the one thing that was truthful. And they would put a lot of stock in what he had to say. And they led the people away from worship of Allah Azza But one time, during the time of the Prophet وسلم, when the jinn went up to the heaven to steal the listening from the heavens, they were shot down with meteors. They were shot down with comets. When that happened, the chief Iblis said amongst them, something has happened in the earth today. Something has happened. Something has taken place for this to be happening. So go out and find out what's going on. Some traveled there and some traveled there and some traveled there and some traveled to where the Prophet was وسلم, and he was reading the Quran. And it happened on a number of incidents where they came and they listened to him reading the Quran. And that's the meaning of those ayahs in Surah Al-Jinn. Qul, uhiya ilayya annahu stama'a nafrun min al-jinn faqalu inna sami'na Qur'anan ajaba yahdi ila al-rushd fa'amanna bihi wa lan nushrika bi rabbina ahada. 
وأنه تعالى جد ربنا ما اتخذ صاحبة ولا ولد Tell them, Ya Muhammad, it was revealed to me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that a group of jinn came and they listened to the Qur'an. And when they listened to the Qur'an, they said, we have heard a recitation that is amazing. And it guides to what is correct and right. So as a result of that listening, we believe in our Lord. And we will not, after this point, make shit with him and glory unto him. And highly exalted is he. And verily, he did not have a wife, and he didn't have any child. And the ayat went to mention a lot of issues. So this ayat indicates and it shows in this surah that when the Quran was revealed, the jinn were prevented after that from going and stealing any listening from the heavens. وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّا السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَّابِهِ وَجَعَلْنَاهَا Allah said we made the stars, we beautify the heavens of this dunya, we beautify these galaxies, we made them beautiful with some stars, meteors, lights, and we made them rockets, we made them things to shoot the shayateen when they came to listen and to steal a listening from the Quran. So that is one of the impacts, one of the great impacts of the Quran upon an aspect of Allah's creation, an important aspect, because it goes to show the Muslim shouldn't be an individual who allows his mind, his intellect, his imagination to run amok. The jinn can't help you. I don't know about America because this wasn't my experience when I was in America. But living in the UK where I live, almost every third person you meet, he has a jinn. That's what the people believe. Every third person you meet, he has a jinn. Everyone who suffers from migraines, he believes, I got a jinn. He has a nosebleed, I have a jinn. He gets into a car accident, it was a jinn. His baby has colic in his stomach, it's a jinn. And the Muslims go overboard in either direction. One direction, I don't believe in the jinn, it's khurafat. The other extreme is, everything is the jinn. No, we believe in the jinn, we believe. Because that's in the Quran, that's the Sunnah. But we don't allow that belief to take us to the point where the quality of a person's life is adversely affected because he allows his imagination to run amok. Allah Azawajal mentioned in another surah of the Quran that I want to share with you in Surah Al-Ahqaf, which is really important about the jinn and is connected to what we mentioned yesterday about the Hajr of the Quran. And we told you that the Hajr of the Qur'an means they don't read it and they don't listen to it. The individual will give a khutbah in the masjid of the Muslims and the whole khutbah consists of rhetoric and kalam. Not a single verse, not one is mentioned. It's just kalam. And I think this and I think that. And the newspaper said that. And I saw on Al Jazeera that that happened. And that's the sum total of his khutbah or his lesson. When the Prophet used to speak, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to speak and nothing would come out of his mouth except the truth. And he used to use that Qur'an to prove the points that he wanted to make. And because he was using that Qur'an to make those points, that was from his sunnah. Allah Azza mentioned, وَإِذْ صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفْرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ 
فلما حضروه قالوا انصتوا فلما قضي ولوا الى قومهم منذرين قالوا يا قومنا انا سمعنا كتابا انا سمعنا كتابا بعد موسى انا سمعنا كتابا بعد موسى انا سمعنا كتابا بعد موسى مصدقا بما بين يديه يهدي الى الحق ولا طريق المستقيم this is a really important issue in terms of our belief about those jinn that don't have any ability to harm anyone, to help anyone. They don't have any ability to, if you're by yourself in the dark, except if Allah gave that, them that ability. But with clear Iman, with clear Iman, belief in the Quran, taking the Quran, the individual puts himself in a position to repel any attempt by anyone, jinn or other in the jinn, to do anything to him. Allah said, and remember, Ya Muhammad, that we turn to you a group of the jinn. They came to listen to the Quran. This is another incident. They came to listen to you, and they came to listen to the Quran. When they came in your presence, they said amongst themselves, be quiet and listen, don't talk. And then when you finished the recitation, they got up and they went back to their people, mundirin. They went back to their people as warners. Islam said, based on this ayat of the Quran, it's a proof and an indication from the benefits of the ayat, is that the jinn, they don't have prophets and they don't have messengers that are sent to them. And if they don't have prophets and messengers that are sent to them, they don't have prophets and they don't have messengers that are sent to Bani Adam. But what they have are people who are warners, jinn who warn other jinn, not jinn, who come to warn Benny Adam, the regular people from amongst us, is going to be visited by Jinn who's going to warn him about this or warn him about that during our time, during the time of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Iblis, no doubt. He gave some beneficial information here and there to some of the companions, but that doesn't happen now. So the Jinn, the Jinn, they don't have prophets and they don't have messengers, but from amongst them, are those who warn their own people. Whereas the Prophet Sallallahu he was a human being and he was the Sayyid of Bani Adam and he's the Khatim of the Anbiya and the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Ajma'in and he was sent to mankind, Bani Adam and he was also sent to the jinn. And as we mentioned yesterday, from the benefit of listening to the Quran is that the individual's Iman is increased, he embraces Islam and immediately after listening to that Quran and believing, those jinn took the message of the Quran and they gave da'wah back to their people. It is not acceptable, ikhwani, for the Muslim to exist, revert or other than revert, and he is not taking the time out to warn and to advise and to educate and give da'wah to the people around him. In this hotel, as the people see us and they pass us by, they're in the rooms next to our rooms. They're coming in and out of this hotel, in the parking lot, in the elevator. We're giving them dawah the way we look. We're giving them dawah the way we behave. But sometimes that's not enough. Because as they get the other dawah and the propagation of the news, what happened in Nigeria just yesterday, what's happening in Iraq, what happened recently with the severing of the heads of the people, that dawah that they're receiving 
is more visual. That dawah that they're receiving against al-Islam is a dawah that is more harmful. So the Muslim has to feel some sense of responsibility that he has to push back that onslaught of negative media coverage when you see these people and just spark a discussion and start to explain to the people what the deen is and even, even invite some of them to either sit in one of these lectures or to sit on the side to get to hear the message of the dawah. The Kufab Quraysh, they were hostile towards the companions. They would kill you if they knew that you were Muslim. Now, for the most part, we get negative media, but no one's trying to chop us up. No one's trying to put a hot coals on us. No one is really doing anything drastic to us for the most part, especially here in America. So that's one of the great impacts of the Quran and Allah's creation. After them, we have to look at another great aspect of his creation, and that is the creation of the Mala'ika, who are a tremendously important aspect in the faith of the believer. He has to understand these things correctly. Has to be careful with borrowing from the Christian narrative concerning the Mala'ika. In Hollywood, in the movies, even in the cartoons, many of the young children, if left without being taught their religion, they will believe that the Mala'ika fly around, which they have the ability to do, but the image and the idea that's conjured up in the mind of the Muslim child when he lives in this society and he's left without being educated and instructed, he has ideas that are inconsistent with the Quran and the Sunnah. Weird ideas. So those mala'ika were affected and they were impacted with and by the book of Allah when it was revealed and to this very day. An example of that is clear, things that we have to do with and what was collected by Imam al-Bukhari, a Muslim, on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu wa ardahu. The Prophet mentions sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajtama'a qawmun fi bayta min buyutillahi يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَّارَ سُنُهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهُمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشَّتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدُهُ There is never a group of people, never ever a group of people coming to one of the masajid, the house of Allah. They sit down and they read the Quran. Like I was telling you, just reading the Quran. From the... Hajar of the Qur'an, boycotting the Qur'an, is to learn the Qur'an, as we mentioned. If they come to that masjid and they read the Qur'an, or they learn the Qur'an. When they do that, the sakinah comes down, and Allah's rahmah engulfs them, and the mala'ika, they come down, and they also occupy that space. And in addition to those three things, the Prophet wasallam said that Allah he mentions those people who are sitting there doing that to those who are with him above his arsh, the mala'ika who are with in the sama, in the heavens. Allah is alone over his arsh. He mentions the virtues of those people. So that's the effect of the mala'ika, the effect of the Quran and the mala'ika. And again, from yesterday, it's connected and it shows the importance of reading that Quran and learning that Quran. It is wajib. Allah commanded, وَرَتِّلْ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا 
Read that Quran correctly with tajweed. I can't impress that enough upon all of us. There was one speaker yesterday talked about the 10 Qiraat. And he alluded himself. He made it clear that this issue is an issue that there is a lot of confusion in it because it's one of the bigger issues in Islam. It's one of the bigger aspects of Islamic knowledge. It's not for everybody. But what everyone has to do is, everyone here has to make it his business and her business to learn how to read that Quran and you are not. And you will not. Not because Allah is not able, he's not capable. But it's not his sunnah. Sunnatullahi filladina khalu min qabl. It's not going to change. The Prophet was taught, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that is enough as an example. He taught his companions, radiallahu anhum, and they taught the tabi'een, and they taught the people, and they taught the people all the way until right now. The person has an opportunity and the ability to learn to the best of what Allah has given him, the opportunity to read the Quran correctly. So reading the Quran Learning the Quran, not doing it is from Al-Hajr. He said to his companions, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came out to them. He asked them the question, Ayyukun, yuhibbun yagdua, ila buthan, awal aqiq, fayati minhu kulli yawmin, binaqatain, kouma wain, zahra wain, fayakhuduhuma. Which one of you people would like to go to the place where we keep the camels of sadaqah, zakat? The corral where all of the camels. How many of you want to go out there every day and bring back two fat, voluptuous camels? One hadith said, without sinning and without breaking the tie of relationship. Who wants to do that? They don't know where he was going with that. Maybe he's asking and he's going to give you an opportunity to really go and come every day with two fat camels. After one week, you have 17 and on and on. So everybody said, we all want to do that. We all like that, wondering is that opportunity going to be given to us? He told him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Liyan Yakdua Rajo, in Al Masjidi, Fayetalama, O Yakraa, Ayatain, Khairo Minakatain, Wathalath, Wathalathin Khairo Min Thalathin, Wahrba, Khairo Min Arba, Wadadi Hunamin Al Ibn. If a man were to leave his house and he went to the masjid and he just read, he just read two ayat or he learned two ayat, that's better for him than two camels. If he read or learned three ayat, it's better than three camels. Read or learned four ayat, better than four camels. And on and on and on, how many ayat you read is better than that. So the point here, Ikhwani, is that the malaika of Allah, they are connected to the people who specifically go to the masjid for the recitation of the Quran, for the learning of the Quran learning how to read it and dealing with it in the book in, 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 in that special place. One of those companions, as Al-Bura ibn Azib said, radiallahu anhu, he was reading the Quran during the nighttime. A man was reading the Quran during the nighttime and his horse was tied up and a cloud came down over the horse and the horse began to get agitated and it began to move around. They went and they told the prophet about what happened. Every time the man read the Quran, the cloud would get closer to the horse. When he stopped, the cloud would stop. The horse would jump up and he was agitated. Every time it got closer, and they told the Nabi, he told them, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
That's from the sakina that comes down when the person reads the Quran and that sakina is accompanied with the malaika. Again, that can happen to any ordinary person. There's no proof to say that that can only happen or that only happened to the companion of the Prophet because we have other hadith that show regular people like us, people who are not necessarily from the awliya of Allah, just regular people, they came to the masjid, the malaika, they come down and listen. That's one of the benefits of the Quran and being encouraged to read the Quran that you help to create an atmosphere of khair, atmosphere of goodness. It wasn't a one-off or something that happened one time. One of the other companions, his name is Usaid ibn Khudair. May Allah be pleased with him. He was reading the Quran. His son was sitting, an infant. In the first incident, the man read Surah Al-Kahf, the one that we should have read yesterday on Friday. The one that we mentioned, any given dime, is difficult because of our schedules for a person to get through reading Surah Al-Kahf. So from the virtues of Surah Al-Kahf is, is what happened with that man. In the case of the other companion, the second companion, Usaid ibn Khudair, may Allah be pleased with him, he was reading Surah Al-Baqarah, and the same thing happened. He saw a canopy with lights coming from the sky. And the horse started moving around, and it almost stepped on his son. His son, his name was Yahya. He was afraid for his son, so he was stopped, and he would try to figure out what's going on. Every time he would stop, the canopy would stop. When he read, the canopy would come, and the horse continued to be agitated. He stopped out of fear of the boy, fear for the boy. He told the Nabi what happened. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet told him again. That was the sakina that comes down when the individual reads the Qur'an. That is the sakina that is accompanied by the malaika when an individual reads the Qur'an, and it shows the virtues again of some of the surahs of the Qur'an, some of them are greater than others, some of them have virtues that others don't have, and that's part of what we believe concerning the details when we say we believe in the books of Allah Azawajal. That some of those books like the Qur'an are more virtuous than the previous books because it's been protected. And the Quran itself has some verses, has some ayat, has some chapters that are more virtuous than the other chapters and ayats that are in the actual Quran. So those are some of the examples, Ikhwani, concerning these two aspects of Allah's creation. And there are many more, but my time is up now and I went over by a minute. هذا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته